0: Your host for this program is Professor Frank Longo of Centenary University School of Professional Studies. Please note that before making any financial decisions, please seek sound financial advice from a financial professional. And now, here is your host, Professor Frank Longo. Hello, and welcome to Dollars and Cents for College Students. Thank you for joining us. Frequent listeners know that we often provide a stock market update. We discuss what's going on in the world and offer thoughts on how it will impact the market. We do this since so many changes are happening in science, technology, business, politics, the economy, and much more. Any of these changes can impact the stock market. Change can lead to great opportunities, but opportunities can also cause great risk. Potential change I'd like to start with today. I'd like to speak about not just what's going on in the world today, but what has happened in the past. It's what is reported to have happened in the past. That is, the month of October brings substantial declines, if not crashes, to the market. Investors cite the stock market crash of 1929. That occurred specifically on October 29th, 1929. It was Black Monday, day when the market fell a huge 22%. That occurred specifically on October 19th, 1987. It was the Bank Panic of 1907. That occurred throughout the month of October in 1907. Each of these days left indelible scars on the market. The events of those days along with several others that were not quite as significant, led to what is known as the October effect. This refers to the psychological concern that significant declines and crashes are more likely to occur in October than any other month. A review of history reveals that there is nothing unique about October that makes it more prone To market declines than any other month. It has had a number of noteworthy bad days, but an argument can be made that September historically has had more bad days than October. In September of 2001, after 9-11, and September of 2008, as the financial crisis hit, stock market declines were greater than the significant declines that have occurred in most Octobers. The month of September has had as many significantly bad days as October. So don't fear the month of October. Stay calm and look at today's facts as we work our way through September and move toward October. Here is where we stand. The year 2021 has been a record-breaking year for the market. The Dow Jones Industrial Average stands at more than 34000 The Standard & Poor's 500 has hit 54 record-high closures so far. Corporate profits have been up. Interest rates are low. The Federal Reserve has poured money into the economy, along with the federal government. Is there something powerful about the month of October that can derail this market? No, definitely not. But, be careful when people use the word but, but the high stock market values reflected in today's market are cause for concern. Supply chain disruptions are troublesome, and inflation may be a problem. China seems to have its eyes on Taiwan and may want to take it over. That would jolt markets since so many products and product components are made in Taiwan. Most important, are the actions of the Federal Reserve, should they raise interest rates or reduce the money supply, then there would most definitely be an impact on the market. It wouldn't matter what the month is. Analysts from Citigroup, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, and others have all expressed caution and concern about today's market, not due to the coming of October, but due to the factors we just discussed. So what is an investor to do? Stay calm. Don't panic. The market has been volatile for some time. It has had both significantly higher and significantly lower days. Expect volatility and maybe on the down days by companies that are in a position to profit from their unique innovations, their financial strength, and ability to thrive in a changing world. We have discussed a number of such companies and will continue to do so as we identify them. The search for innovative companies that can thrive in this changing world can lead to companies that are currently just going public, in other words, offering their stock for sale to the public for the first time. These are usually young companies. As we said, they're typically innovators. They use new technology or processes. They offer new ideas. The traditional way that companies go public is to offer shares to the public. It is through the initial public offering, the IPO. This involves a private company, one whose shares are not traded on an exchange, issuing new shares to the public. The issuer receives the money put up by investors. Companies typically do this to finance business operations and expansion. That was part of the reason Facebook went public. It financed expansion into Europe. The IPO also gives private investors a market to sell their shares if they desire to do so. It provides liquidity, which can add to a stock's value. Now for the downside. IPOs can be very volatile. Facebook's was on the day of its IPO and for some time afterwards. Its stock price was subject to wide swings. That can be hard for some investors to handle. But Facebook was a highly innovative business with virtually no competition. Early investors who did not sell, who did not panic, have been richly rewarded. It is important to note that IPOs involve the payment of substantial fees to investment bankers and the disclosure of a great deal of information. The investment bankers perform a variety of significant services, including getting their rich clients to commit to making significant investments in a new company. They do this before the small investor has an opportunity to buy stock. In other words, the large investors typically get in early and at lower prices. Another way to go public, a relatively new one, is through the use of a special acquisition company, a SPAC. We have discussed these in recent shows, but we have an update. The use and enthusiasm for SPACs has faded in August Five SPACs were brought to the public, and only one in September. This compares to 141 in February, when it reached the peak. Part of the problem is that SPACs have had difficulty identifying private companies who are willing to use this vehicle to go public. So there don't appear to be too many new opportunities in this area. But if there are, if there are further significant developments, we will let you know. Another way to go public is through the direct listing. This involves a private company that offers its shares directly to the public. This vehicle also uses investment bankers, but to a much smaller degree. Fewer services are performed and accordingly. Fees are significantly lower. It's cheaper. The investment bankers, rich clients, they don't get early access to stocks coming to the market through a direct listing. All investors, large and small, have the same access and pay the same market prices to buy the stock. There's another significant difference between the direct listing and the IPO. In the IPO, the issuer, The company going public gets cash, but not in the direct listing. The private company does not issue more shares in the direct listing. Instead, owners of the private stock sell their shares should they choose to do so. What does this indicate? What does it mean? It means that the company going public doesn't need cash. It is not raising money. It doesn't need to raise money, and that is a good sign. Any company that needs to raise money and chooses to offer stock to the public will not use the direct listing. So there is a very positive aspect to the direct listing. So let's consider a company that will use a direct listing later this month to go public. Warby Parker, a maker of affordable eyewear, prescription glasses, contact lenses, and accessories. Warby began as an e commerce company, but it has added 145 physical stores. Currently, approximately 60% of its sales are online. We should note that about 75% of Americans use vision correction products, and that should increase as the population ages. This company says they defy convention. How is this done? Through the use of digital purchases and apps. They offer a free home try-on system that they call a virtual trial system. This company is clearly an innovator. It sells eyeglasses without the purchasers having the need to enter a store, unless they choose them. Warby Parker stresses their goal of giving customers a positive experience. Its prospectus indicates that, and I'll quote, it is driven to do good and make customers happy. It is a carbon-neutral company. And has distributed 8 million pairs of glasses to the needy through its buy a pair and give a pair program. Warby has not yet been profitable, but it has a positive trend. By the way, companies going public not being profitable is very common. But Warby does have a positive trend. In 2019, it had revenue of about $371 million as it lost $57 million. For the year 2020, revenue increased during the pandemic to about $397 million as it lost $56 million. For the first six months of this year, it had revenue of $270 million and a loss of $20 million. This is a very positive trend. It is moving in the right direction. As we said, Warby Parker will go public later this month. We have to see what stock price they will be offered at to further evaluate the company for investors who are interested in innovative companies experiencing positive trends and a company that has as its stated goal the desire to do good things. This is a company worth following. Its means of operations, its stated goals may make it even more attractive to investors. It may be able to accomplish good things while it achieves a long-term profit. We will carefully track this company. I know I am personally interested. We will provide further analysis as we receive additional information. Until the next time, stay calm, thoughtful, and purposeful.